G'day, I'm Barry Green. Welcome to Conversations on Radio WA, 87.6 FM in East Perth, or you could be listening on Western Tourist Radio in the southwest of Western Australia or online via SoundCloud. My next guest is Colin Sice, a regenerative farmer from Gulgong in New South Wales, who I met at a workshop titled Profitable Regenerative Agriculture, Pasture Cropping, at Gatanning in the great southern region of Western Australia. G'day, Colin. Hey. I first became aware of you from reading Charles Massey's book, Call of the Reed Warbler, A New Agriculture, A New Earth. Our program is a tourist radio format, but I think it's really important to connect with people in the cities and, shall we say, remake the connection between farmers and eaters. So I I hope our programs can encourage people from the city to get out and and reconnect with farmers. And there's a a lot happening in industrial agriculture. And uh, Colin's a bloke who sort of... um, it thinks outside the square and uh, has been doing things very differently. So what prompted you to go down what we might call an alternative path, Colin? I guess I grew up in, in uh, high-input industrial agriculture, uh, as in my father was very much a pioneer in that, and we, he was using high rates of fertiliser and pesticides and all that in the 1950s, 60s and 70s. In 1979, we had a major bushfire, which burnt us out totally and lost 3,000 of our 4,000 sheep and all the buildings on the property and the whole place was just a blackened ruin. I guess it's a part of uh, human condition. We sort of have to be on the bones of our ass to initiate change and I guess all the time people are making good money out of the way they are farming, they tend not to have a mind open to other alternatives and of course you can make a lot of money out of industrial farming if things are going well but... Um, if things don't go well, you can also lose a lot of money. And I guess that's what uh, you're about, isn't it? Is There's two sides to making a profit. One's how much you make and one's how much you spend. That's exactly right. And we were spending, or my father was spending, on today's money, $80,000 a year, just on fertiliser and pesticides, just to, to keep the place ticking over. When we got burnt out in 1979, I started to have to, I had to make some very hard and fast decisions about how we're going to survive. And I looked at developing extremely low input agriculture like we had no money at all had to had to be no input agriculture to survive so started looking about how, look at how i could do this really at, at extremely low cost down the track i guess uh, industrial agriculture as it exists has largely evolved through corporations doing research and arguably for many years the departments of agriculture virtually became advertising arm of the chemical companies because the the chemical companies would give the ag department their latest concoction and they'd go away and do trials so um, that sort of led down its path and we've got some pretty bad chemicals in the food supply having some fairly detrimental effects on the people that eat it and uh, I guess to some extent there's been a cover-up people don't know about it but you are proving that you can actually produce a better product without all those toxic inputs. That's absolutely correct, uh, both sides of that. There certainly has been a cover-up in, in, in much of this uh, 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 on the way we farm, and that industrial model uh, has really been a disaster, been a disaster ecologically, but just as important as that, it's been a disaster from a human health point of view. Like Much of our food has declined by between 60 and 80% in, in nutrients in the food. No wonder we're sick. Yeah, we have. There's no the food we eat really isn't food at all. What Michael Pollan in the Omnivore's Dilemma refers to as food-like material. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess it's a matter of um, 
it's awareness and I think uh, probably you don't hear about these sort of things in the, what we might call commercial media because uh, to a fair degree the commercial media is paid for by the, the companies selling these products and that's what is so exciting about this time in history is that the internet's allowing farmers to work together and share this information and you know, arguably the science of industrial agriculture is owned by a handful of multinational corporations. The science of regenerative agriculture is a community asset, sort of a bit akin to open source software in, in the sort of language that uh, younger people might understand. Yeah, I'd agree. That's, that's exactly right. And I've met you through this event today, which we became aware of through the internet, and that, that, that's what's happening now, is that, uh, that the internet is allowing this exchange of ideas and information. Yeah, uh, because I get around to many countries around the world, I talk about regenerative agriculture and that encompasses pasture cropping and cover crops and better grazing management techniques. I meet a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of farmers uh, that are also speaking about this type of thing and scientists that, that are also speaking about this and do, doing some, some research and work and trial work on, on this. So. The outcome of that has been a sharing of, of, of ideas, of wonderful ideas of, of, of what we're doing uh, and what works and, and what hasn't worked. And so we're speeding up this learning process amongst ourselves, amongst, I guess, the educators around the world, to be able to fast track a lot of this. And by sharing it amongst ourselves, we've been able to speed everything up and learn from each other. So, you know, it's probably 10 times faster than it wouldn't have been if we didn't have the internet and that connection we've got with everyone. And I guess my experience of being involved in small-scale organic agriculture for 30 years is that there is a sense of camaraderie that used to exist in agriculture before it got sort of taken over by the industrialisation. And you look at the consequence on rural communities has been devastating. And, uh, you know, we've got to get people back into these communities, which means adopting agricultural practices that values human beings uh, not just as a unit of productivity. You're exactly right, and a group of people, and there's probably 30 or 40 of us in just broadly that, that are, are, are doing a lot of speaking in different countries, and um, there isn't uh, this, this thing about my intellectual property or, or that. We, we just we share it and share people's slides and all of that. We acknowledge you know, where they've come from, but it's, so, yeah, there isn't uh, this selfishness that's often in, in society today. There's an element of, uh, you know, extreme capitalism is based on that sort of controlling information. But in questioning that aspect of capitalism doesn't make me a communist. I think, <laughs> I think what's it, we need to acknowledge that capitalism has created the internet. And, and, and in many respects, uh, the, the internet is perhaps the antidote to this extreme capitalism, which is sort of doing a lot of damage around the place. There's no doubt extreme capitalism is, and, and that's driven by multinational companies and greed. And they are doing a lot of damage, and, and the greed is just after money. And and we need to, to slow that down or stop that because it, it, it's just... Uh, the damage that it's starting to do now is, is so extreme all over this planet and, you know, we're starting to see the consequences of that, uh, you know, and we need... And there's still debate about... Well, I don't think there is any debate about climate change or global warming, but we, we need to stop treating this planet as a rubbish tip anyway and clean it up. And, and so in the, in, in the process of cleaning uh, up this planet, if we happen to be able to slow down the, these problems that we're creating, that would be great. And so from a... Uh, you know, we're told uh, food, it's all about down, down on price... 
but of course anything that's uh, done on the basis of price is going to be down on quality that's just how economics works and you know it, it amazes me that uh, that food which is actually the foundation of our civilization and of our individual health is uh, is treated as a commodity if people start to think about their food uh, you've got a choice we, we all have choices we can choose to spend a little bit more money on quality food or we can have cheap food and and you know other things that's a choice we all make and and I guess the challenge of course is to get, make people aware of these things but then also to to, to develop the, the supply chain so that people can buy uh, quality produce and, and know the difference and, and be prepared to pay a little bit more yeah. um, because uh, you know bottom line is farmers do need to make a living and if <laughs> you know there's talk about the farmers need to produce more to feed the world the reality is if farmers are broke they don't feed anybody it's exactly right and we certainly need to uh, produce better quality food and one way that that's happening, well, sorry, I'll just backtrack. Uh, and what, uh, we need to, to actually develop a supply chain. One way that that is happening is um, they're starting to become uh, uh, more and more on-farm stores or shops. I'm seeing that, it, it, especially in America. It is happening here in Australia too. And they're very, very well supported. Um, and those farms often will supply a great diversity of food that they grow on their, their farms. Some of them are organic, but not necessarily all of them. And it's really starting to expand and, and, and grow. In his presentation, Colin spoke about how women tend to understand the nurturing aspects of regenerative agriculture faster than the men. Us blokes tend to have this idea that we're fighting with Mother Nature. There is growing evidence that in the long run we will always lose that battle and that working with nature is proving to be far more profitable in the long term and producing more nutritious foods. That is where I see the place for tourism, to connect with the women who are making the food buying decisions that are going to determine the food production methods of the future. I also see this form of regenerative agriculture expanding very, very rapidly. For example, I did two. I spoke at two conferences: the keynote at one, keynote speaker at one, and closing at the other. And there was 700 people roughly at those conferences. Other conference in America I've spoken at, there was 1,400 people at it, and they were advertised as regenerative agriculture. A lot of interest in this form of agriculture. Well, it's been fantastic talking to you, Colin, and uh, thanks for coming all the way to Western Australia to talk to farmers. and And I hope this program can motivate. West Australians and others to get out and explore regional Western Australia and talk to a farmer and we've created a website called agritourismwa.com.au the byline is remaking the connection between farmers and eaters and I've also created a website called organicfoodwa.net.au and the byline there is putting the culture back into agriculture and I think that's really important and you know as a society um, the whole of civilization is based on the products of agriculture. We might be becoming highly technological, but all the technology in the world isn't going to feed the population. So farming is absolutely the foundation of our civilization, and people seem to forget that. Um, and it's really important that work that you're doing, and I congratulate you on that, and, and thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. Thank you very much. And if you'd like to hear that interview again or other innovators in Western Australia doing things, you can go to touristradio.com.au forward slash conversations and you'll find links to all sorts of other interesting conversations. Thanks for joining us.